Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is the 32nd Sunday in Ordinary Time. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. To prepare ourselves, let us acknowledge our sins. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Glory to God in the highest, and And on on earth peace peace to people of goodwill. We We praise praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you, we give you thanks for your great glory, Lord God, Heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, Only Begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us, you take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer, you are seated at the right hand of the Father, Have mercy on us, for you alone are the Holy One, you alone are the Lord, you alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty and merciful God, graciously keep from us all adversity, so that, unhindered in mind and body alike, we may pursue in freedom of heart the things that are yours. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the Book of Wisdom. Wisdom is bright and does not grow dim. By those who love her, she is readily seen and found by those who look for her. Quick to anticipate those who desire her, She makes herself known to them. Watch for her early and you will have no trouble. You will find her sitting at your gates. Even to think about her is understanding fully grown. Be on the alert for her and anxiety will quickly leave you. She herself walks about looking for those who are worthy of her and graciously shows herself to them as they go in every thought of theirs, coming to meet them. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. My soul is thirsting for you, O Lord my God. My soul is thirsting for you, O Lord my God. O God, you are my God, for you I long. For you my soul is thirsting, my body pines for you, like a dry, weary land without water. My soul is thirsting for you, O Lord my God. So I gaze on you in the sanctuary, to see your strength and your glory, 
For your love is better than life. My lips will speak your praise. My soul is thirsting for you, O Lord my God. So I will bless you all my life. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul shall be filled as with a banquet. My mouth shall praise you with joy. My soul is thirsting for you, O Lord my God. On my bed I remember you. On you I muse through the night. For you have been my help. In the shadow of your wings I rejoice. My soul is thirsting for you, O Lord my God. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Thessalonians. We want you to be quite certain, brothers, about those who have died, to make sure that you do not grieve about them, like the other people who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and that it will be the same for those who have died in Jesus. God will bring them with him. We can tell you this from the Lord's own teaching, that any of us who are left alive until the Lord's coming will not have any advantage over those who have died. At the trumpet of God, the voice of the archangel will call out the command, and the Lord himself will come down from heaven. Those who have died in Christ will be the first to rise, and then those of us who are still alive will be taken up in the clouds, together with them, to meet the Lord in the air. So we shall stay with the Lord forever. With such thoughts as these, you should comfort one another. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. Be watchful and ready. You know not when the Son of Man is coming. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus told this parable to his disciples. The kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were sensible. The sensible ones did take their lamps, but they brought no oil, whereas the sensible ones took flasks of oil as well as their lamps. The bridegroom was late, and they all grew drowsy and fell asleep. But at midnight there was a cry, The bridegroom is here, go out and meet him. At this, all those bridesmaids woke up and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish ones said to the sensible ones, Give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. But they replied, There may not be enough for us and for you. You had better go to those who sell it and buy some for yourselves. They'd gone off to buy it when the bridegroom arrived. Those who were ready went in with him to the wedding hall, and the door was closed. The other bridesmaids arrived later. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you solemnly, I do not know you. So stay awake, because you do not know either the day or the hour. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So there's a big difference in the way that weddings were celebrated in Jesus' time and in the Jewish culture um, and the way that we celebrate weddings today. I mean, these days, all eyes are on the bride. We turn around to face her as she comes into the church for the nuptial ceremony. We say that the wedding is her day. 
Um, and everyone's always intrigued about the wedding dress and everyone wants to know what the bride looked like when she walked down the aisle. Well, in Jesus' time, the focus wasn't so much on the bride, but on the bridegroom. Um, if you remember the story about Mary and Joseph, you might recall that they were first betrothed, um, but they weren't yet living together as husband and wife. Well, according to the Jewish customs of the time, a couple would first be betrothed, right? And, and that's more than just getting engaged, right? That's actually entering into a marriage covenant. The two families of the bride and groom would come together, negotiate the marriage, and establish this covenant. And, and from that moment, the couple were officially married. And as a sign of the establishment of this marriage covenant, they would each ceremonially drink from one cup of wine and their marriage would be blessed. There's something a bit Eucharistic about that, right? But anyway, after the betrothal, the bridegroom would return to his house and the bride would remain with her family. And this separation typically lasted, I don't know, about, about a year. And the purpose of that year apart was preparation. The bride would prepare herself. She would make ready her wedding dress and make arrangements for her to move in with her husband. And the bridegroom would spend this time making a place for his wife in his home. Now, it's all a bit foreign to us, I suppose, because the experience of marriage in our culture is a bit different. But if you try to put yourself in the time of Jesus, you can imagine that this period apart was one of incredible yearning and anticipation. You already belong to each other, but there's still a fulfillment that is to come, a consummation of married love. Well, the gospel parable that we have this evening is referring to the ceremony that occurs at the end of this betrothal period. What would happen is that the bridegroom with his attendants, something like, you know, best man and groomsman, would leave his home at night and by torchlight, they would walk through the township to the family home of the bride. And when the bridegroom arrived at his bride's home, then he would take his bride to himself and then they and the whole bridal party would walk back by torchlight to the bridegroom's house where the wedding guests would be waiting and where they would then celebrate the consummation of the marriage with a seven day long wedding banquet. Now, it's interesting that where we wait with a certain expectation for the arrival of the bride in the Jewish tradition in Christ's time, they wait for the arrival of the bridegroom. It was customary that the bride and the bridesmaids would know which evening the bridegroom would come with his attendants, but they wouldn't know the exact time. So their job was to listen for the shouts of the bridegroom's attendants, and then they would rush forward to greet him, lead him to the bride's house, and then accompany them both to the wedding banquet. Well, the situation that Jesus puts before us in this parable is a bridegroom who's a bit late. And the bridesmaids who are outside waiting his arrival are getting drowsy and in the end, they fall asleep. But the bridesmaids who are wise are the ones who take account of the fact that they don't know the precise time when the bridegroom will arrive. So they prepare themselves for the possibility that he might be longer than they anticipate. They make sure that there's enough oil in the tank so they can make it to the wedding feast at the bridegroom's house. Now, the illusions that this parable makes are Fairly obvious and pretty strong, right? Christ is the bridegroom, and we are the ones who are waiting his coming. And this is what we profess every week in the creed when we say that he ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. 
And from there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. What the line from the creed is pointing to is that right now, we're in the same boat as the bridesmaids who are awaiting the bridegroom. We're in that period of time where the bridegroom and the bride are betrothed. They belong to one another. They've each drunk from the one cup. But they're not yet living together in the fullness of married love. We're in the period where the groom is preparing a place for his bride and the bride is readying herself to leave her family home to live with her husband. It's the night of his coming. We're expecting his return, but he's taking his time. The bridesmaids are quickly jolted out of their sleep by the sudden shout, right? The bridegroom is coming. Go out and meet him. They need their lamps trimmed and enough oil for the journey because, you know, let's face it, they don't exactly have street lamps in first century Palestine, right? But it's the wise bridesmaids who are able to accompany the bride and bridegroom. And they're the ones who are able to find their way to the wedding banquet rather than be left outside groping in the dark. The first thing I think that this parable points out is that we, as Christians, we're in this in-between time. We're waiting for the coming of Christ. So listen to the words of the liturgy, right? Like straight after we all pray the Our Father together, we say, Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, right? Wait for it. As we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour. Jesus Christ. So recognising that we're in this waiting period, we need to have the same quality of wisdom that the wise bridesmaids have in the parable. It means that we need to keep the divine flame alive within us. You see, we've all received the gift of light in our baptism. Interestingly, it's one of the rich symbols that happens during the baptismal ceremony. From the Paschal candle, our baptismal candle is lit and it's given to our parents and godparents and says, this light is entrusted to you to be kept burning brightly. This child of yours has been enlightened by Christ. He is to walk always as a child of the light. May he keep the flame of faith alive in his heart. And when the Lord comes, listen to this, may he go out to meet him with all the saints in the heavenly kingdom. Isn't that nice? Right at the moment of our baptism, we were entrusted with this light to be kept burning brightly so that we would be ready to go out and meet the bridegroom when he comes with all the saints in the heavenly kingdom to be a wise attendant, a wise bridesmaid. So what does that practically mean for us to have enough oil like the wise bridesmaids to keep the divine flame alive within us? Well, First off, the sacraments, the Eucharist, regular confession, living out our baptismal vocation to holiness, living out our confirmation in order to take up the mission which God has entrusted to us, living out our vocation, whether it be holy orders, marriage, whatever it is that God has called us to. But the flame of faith also needs to be kept alive in prayer. The foolish bridesmaids are rejected from the wedding banquet because the bridegroom doesn't know them. We grow familiar with the bridegroom by means of our prayer, and we mustn't neglect it. 
How about spiritual reading? Making sure that our faith is also deepening and growing. And then, of course, there's loving Christ in our neighbour by means of acts of charity. Caring for the poor, the lonely, the unloved. Those daily moments when we can express our love and desire to see the bridegroom. All of these things put us in contact with God and all of these things fan the divine flame within each of us. This is how we wait for the coming of the bridegroom. This is how we make sure that we're ready for his coming. Sacraments, prayer, study, works of charity, all of these things help us to fall more and more deeply in love with the bridegroom. And we wait with even greater anticipation. And this is how we ensure that there's enough oil in the tank that we can accompany the bridegroom all the way to the wedding feast. And now let's together profess our faith by praying the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the, the Father, Father Almighty, Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. At the Saviour's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Let us welcome Christ into our hearts with an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. And we finish by praying Pope Francis's prayer to Mary during the coronavirus pandemic. O Mary, you shine continuously on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope. We entrust ourselves to you health of the sick. At the foot of the cross, you participated in Jesus' pain with steadfast faith. You, 
salvation of the Roman people, know what we need. We are certain that you will provide, so that as you did in Cana of Galilee, joy and feasting might return after this moment of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the Father's will and to do what Jesus tells us. He who took our sufferings upon himself and bore our sorrows to bring us through the cross to the joy of the resurrection. Amen. We seek refuge under your protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our pleas, we who are put to the test, and deliver us from every danger, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.